Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Books to Gaze. My name is <laughs> And my I'm never prepared for that. And my pronouns are <laughs> she, her. And I'm Sam, and my pronouns are she, her. And, and we're we're, we're doing a little intro. We're getting back on our intro game. Um, we have our fabulous friend Caitlin with us today. Caitlin has a bookstagram herself. And then she also has a podcast called Between the Pages Pod, which we were on if you're, you know, if you, you actually like us and listened to us last <laughs> August on Caitlin's you're podcast. You're the girl MVPs. Yeah. We yeah. talked about a miseducation of Cameron Post with her. Sam and I got oh. a fight. Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> on camera we battled it out over a certain character in the book um Love but so got. caitlin is back with us today we're talking about sex education let's talk about i knew sex, it baby let's talk about you and me let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be let's talk about sex let's talk about sex um <laughs> Can I tell you a little known fact about me? I can sing every word to Shoop by Salt and Peppa. Like every single word. Okay, I want to get you drunk and make that happen. I do it all the time. If I'm drinking, I will always request Shoop and uh, no scrubs at any bar I'm at. And just like belt them out. Can I pause you? The first time I ever got kissed by a girl was because I was at a bar and I was sitting there i was really drunk with my friend and i started screaming they played tlc no scrubs and i started screaming it and this girl walks up throws a 20 dollar on the bit on the thing and says i want to buy that or i want to buy that pretty girl a shot and i thought they were talking to my best friend and i was like oh they're gonna buy you a shot (laughs) spoiler alert for you (laughs) Those for me. That's and the yeah, cutest was, story. Yeah. And then I was like, no, I'm I'm not gay. And they're like, just dance <laughs> with me. And I was like, okay. And then I ended up making out with them. Spoiler alert again. She's gay. <laughs> she's gay. That's so fun. I'm not gay. And then you make gay. out with the girl. I have so many nights from like 22, 23, 24 where I was drunkenly making out with girls in bars and i'm like this is just what girls do okay oh i have so many thoughts on that oh we're gonna have to have a whole episode we'll have to do this next time we chat yes for sure okay so alex before we get started what's giving you life this week um in the vein of being drunk and messy and silly i would say our friend megan had a birthday on Monday. Ooh, happy birthday, Megan! So she's in the old club like we are now. Because, um, you know, late 20s, early 30s, is we're all bunched together. But I think what gave me life was when all of us FaceTimed um, on Saturday and took a shot with Megan while she was um, drinking in her house celebrate or in her um, best friend's house celebrating. So that was really fun. I'm sorry. We went to Gabby's Gay club club i couldn't think of another <laughs> g like what's another g word gabby's I thought, gay i thought it was gang i thought it was like i don't know oh anyways <laughs> um sorry my granny just texted me and said she put 150 dollars into the stock market for her grandkids wow hopefully that goes somewhere for you guys <laughs> 
Um, but that gave me life. Uh, Megan was adorable and drunk. We all took a shot. I made sure Sam drank actual alcohol unless she lied. I didn't. I don't know if you saw. I did it like a chance. I'm proud of you. I, I literally made her pour what was in there back in the bottle and then re-pour it so I could prove that it was actually from the bottle because she already had her shot ready when we got on the phone. And I was like, no, fuck that. Dump it out. Um, but that was fun. I like like FaceTiming you guys. I, we, I always laugh a lot. We had a lot of random inside jokes come out of that one FaceTime. Oh my gosh, did we not? That was so much fun. Um, I love our emotional tits. I got to see so many of theirs. <laughs> there was a lot of emotional tits happening in that <laughs> that one FaceTime. Um, so yeah, happy birthday, Megan. We love you. Um, happy birthday, Megan. We love you. Sam, what's giving um, you life? Good question. I just finished one of the most like heart wrenching, gut churning, take my heart out of my chest books. And like, it just gives me hope that I'm going to fall in love one day. It was like, yeah. oh, is beautiful. And if you haven't read um, The World Between by Emily Hashimoto, uh, read it. Yeah, get it read now. It. Get it now and prepare because maybe we're talking to someone special next month. We don't know. We I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I don't know. So um, but yeah. we want to read it before we do that. Maybe. Also, I would like to go on record that I finished a book not the minute before we record with them. Because every That's single true. person that we recorded with, I'm like. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I worked really hard for this. <laughs> uh, all right. So we are now going to get into our episode with Caitlin. You're going to hear us talk about sex education, queer inclusive sex education, maybe some like really funny stories that Caitlin and I have seen and maybe Sam has seen in school. We talk about some toys. We talk about barrier methods. What else do we talk about? Nails. Can you? I mean, can you... Did, we didn't even talk about toys yet. We, I told that one story of, uh, okay. it's not like a bad, we briefly touched on, make sure you clean your toys. Stay tuned for that story because there's a reason you need to clean them. Um, but yes, we love Caitlin. Look for her socials in our, look for her socials in our, um, show notes and on our Instagram post and go give her and her podcast a follow. Yes. We love you. Cheers. Cheers. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Books to Gaze. I'm Sam, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Alex, and my pronouns are she, her. And today we have a special guest who also has a podcast that we were on. Um, Can you introduce yourself, drop your social media and your podcast information, give us your pronouns, and tell us where you are in our LGBTQ plus family? Hell yeah, I can. Hi, everyone. My name is Caitlin Vicora. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, and yeah, Sam and Alex were my lovely guests uh, a couple months ago on my own podcast, which is called Between the Pages. You can find it on Instagram at Between the Pages Pod. I also uh, talk about books at Book S. Kate. I don't know. I have a lot of like Instagram personalities I'm finding that I'm like, this is probably like not good branding to have like five accounts that I just like rotate back and forth between. Um, but yeah, I also identify as bisexual. 
Woo! Oh, you're really good at this. You can tell you have a podcast. You're like, yeah, it's not it. my first time. <laughs> you knew all the questions. You didn't forget. I'm like, wow, this is a dream. Well, I also do a lot of like trainings for my job. And so like I fuck with an icebreaker. Like I am so good at like remembering the questions and then being like, yeah, I if I was a Crayola crayon color, I would be like peach or whatever. Okay. Do you have Um, a good icebreaker? Pause. Is that what you were going to ask him? Oh, yes. Go ahead. Now I was going to say, what's your Enneagram number? Because I feel like me and Caitlin might be the same. Okay. I fuck with some icebreakers. (laughs) So it's interesting that you say that because I... I think I took the Enneagram test like specifically because of you, Sam, um, which (laughs) that tracks because I I, like knew about it as like in general, a personality test, but I was like, it just feels like a lot. But like, I honestly, I feel like you were posting about it on your stories. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, I just need to do it. Um, And I am a two wing three. So we are different. We are different. But you know what? I'm I'm here for it. Okay. I'm here for (laughs) it. I'm just hoping to always find more sevens. Anytime someone is like, loud and bubbly and laughing she's like you're a seven like two me 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 seven seven i hate I, honestly i'm not i respect caitlin, it caitlin give us an icebreaker yeah oh my god there's so many um so sex icebreaker a sex okay this is funny this is not specifically a sex icebreaker um because i also work like in federally funded land so it can't be like too sexy um but one that was really funny is that we were doing a training on developing a teaching tool called the scope and sequence and uh-huh. um in specifically around sex ed and so we had people break out into breakout rooms and we were like what is like a song that like really represents how you feel about developing this teaching tool and um <laughs> uh someone said let's get it on by Marvin Gay," and I was like lol <laughs> I was like, appropriate, that is amazing. appropriate for like the subject matter. And also like, they're like, let's do it. Let's get it on. I was like, yes. oh yeah. That is 100%. so funny. <laughs> I love that so much. That's amazing. Do you use icebreakers um, in your class, Sam? All the time. Oh, you guys are the worst. <laughs> um, I always, I always first day back. I always play two truths and a lie. And I call it two fiction, one nonfiction. Okay, but you failed um, that when we did it the other day. I was <laughs> on my second drink, okay? Um, I was very hyper. Um, but yeah, I play that with my kids. And then also, you know everything about me. Like, <laughs> she gone. Um, but yeah. yeah, so we play two treats in a lot. And then I try to do one like once a month. Like, just, like, for fun. They love icebreakers. I, that's the they thing. Do. Like, I feel like people do, like, there's definitely a contingent of people who hate them. But there's also, like, truth to them where, like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna break the ice. Like, like they're, they're, mm-hmm. there's a reason why we do this. Um, and it's because people are, like, la- like, even if it's, like, just laughing at, like, oh, this is such a stupid question, whatever. Like, yes. there's, like, there, you know, it, it's effective, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I always- mean, you don't do icebreakers, like, when you're... Who? Me? I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, you don't have kids. There's a, they have all kids. have HIV. That's the icebreaker. I just started talking to them. <laughs> um, Shit. That's an icebreaker for sure. <laughs> when, when I have groups, we do. But they're like, I mean, I'm an adult now, so I don't like, I'm in charge. I don't really have to participate. But I always oh use. Gosh, I am. That tracks. That definitely shows the difference between me and you. Yeah, I, but I always use the only, because I feel like every icebreaker I ever did, it was like, 
you know, strangers. And they're like, wait, tell us this, this, and this. And like, one interesting thing about you. And I'm like, I don't fucking know. And so I always I don't know anything you. interesting about me. Like, <sighs> untrue. I do nothing. Um, okay, that's interesting. That's true. <laughs> but when I was young, I would just be like, oh, I can lick my elbow, thinking like, okay, this is interesting, whatever. But then, like, as an introvert, very shy person, they'd want me to perform for them. And I'm like, this is fucking terrible. I should never say this again. Here's Sam trying to. You know, I've gotten chubbier since then, so let's see. I can't. Oh, I can kind of. Like my 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 arms and my legs like hyperextend like okay so when you stand you know like your knees are kind of out my knees like go like this and then like so put your armor on your head like this like how far can you reach right what (laughs) yeah so mine like goes all that that's the only reason i can do it i think oh my god sounds like that is a fun fact yeah but but not when you don't want to perform it for people so i've stopped using them Yeah, you gotta perform. You gotta show people at that point because it is a visual thing. Yeah, and then right. it's really embarrassing. <laughs> oh, bless it, bless it. Yeah, well, well icebreakers are fun. Um, welcome to our very exciting podcast today, where we are talking about all things sex. Let's Although, talk about sex, baby. I knew you were gonna Let's say that. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things. Caitlin, you really joined in on that, and Sam appreciates it. I was like, "Are we? I was like, are we harmonizing?" Like, you did. I just like, I just ignore Sam, but then you were like in the on the bottom, and I'm like, "Wow, that's the." Caitlin, we are here today. Okay, we are here. Like maybe I'm a seven, honestly. Maybe I feel it. Um. What, well, they do say that twos are very good about like adapting to different people. Like, that is my and... special skill. I think that like, would make you really like cool. we're here, we're vibing. Yeah, really I'm a therapist. chameleon. I was gonna. What was I gonna say? Oh, Sam, we have to start though with our question. With your question. Oh, Caitlin, what's giving you life this week? Mm. Is it hey. sex related? Did you anything sexy? Did I do anything sexy? You know, <laughs> it's always like funny answering like this question in quarantine, I feel like, because I'm like, whoa, what has been giving me life like for the last 10 months? Um, <laughs> Nobody knows. No one knows. Um, I think I think one thing um, is giving me life that is, is boundary setting, um, where I, I'm like very historically not good at boundary setting and... Uh, like I'll just like work forever um, and like be like, oh, that's weird. I'm exhausted. I guess I worked a 12 hour day. And like, and I just like, I just, A, I'm not good at like tuning in to that like myself. And also B, I hate saying no to people like very, very desperately. And so um, I will always like do the things that people ask me to without like, I'll kind of like immediately like say yes. And then in retrospect, I'll be like, I didn't want to do that. And also I didn't have time to do that. And I feel like this week I was very good at being like, Hey, I actually met capacity this week. I literally said I'm at capacity, which Ooh, I'm like, Ooh, my job. business lingo. Yeah. I love um, it. Yeah. So that felt like really, really like life affirming where I was like, Oh, cool. Now I don't feel like I'm going to pull my hair out. <laughs> so that's a good way to phrase it too. Cause it's not like, Oh, I can't do that. Or I can't like, I don't want to. It's just like, I'm at capacity. Like I'm working on several, like, 
that's what that implies. Like, I'm working on several things. I'm busy. I'm doing this. Not like I can't do it or I don't want to be a team player. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I think I could have done it and I could have like gone like quote unquote over capacity and like just, you know, worked an extra like two hours on this thing. But I was like, no, my capacity is an eight hour day. And like, if it's it's going beyond that, then we're going to have to like, you know, I have to, I have to like make that limit of like I'm at capacity. So yeah, feeling really good about myself. (laughs) I love it. That is a good joyful thing. Um, okay. So we're talking about sex today, all things, sex, sexy times, sex education, queer sex, things that maybe you don't hear anywhere. So first I want to know, did you get any sex education in your life before you were an adult and what was it and what did, was it good, bad, blah, blah, blah. That was perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. So I went to public school and so like, you know, um, there was sex ed, but not super thorough. It was very much, you know, the basics. It was very like heterosexual focused um, and heteronormative and uh, like very shaming, especially around like disease and STIs, which is unfortunately pretty common, um, Mm -hmm. especially back when I was in, you know, middle and high school and receiving sex ed. So yeah, like it, it happened. um, But I'm also like, now now that I've like studied and like I'm now training people on like what should be included in sex ed I'm like oh all of these things were missing in terms of like you know like non-stigmatizing language and like affirming people's identities um and oh I think uh I think I grew up in Virginia and so there's also like kind of the southern um like side of things where you know it's just like you know, wait until marriage, like, and that's the, like, you know, abstinence only that's the, that's the party line. And yeah. And it's like, and I, like, I think also, you know, I, I said at the beginning, I identify as bisexual and I don't, I, I don't want to say that like the bad sex ed, like contributed to like me not coming out until later, but I do think that there are like the assumption that everyone is straight, um, Mm -hmm is really harmful and it's like and it's everywhere right like there's like our world is heteronormative unfortunately um and so it's not purely because of sex ed but I do think that like if I had seen like queer rep in my sex ed I would have like figured out things sooner because I didn't come out until I was like 22 23. So our school has not done sex ed since 1995. At all not even like don't have sex until you're married and be abstinent like not even like stupid sex ed. Oh Whoa. my god, Florida fucking sucks. Whoa, <laughs> that is heavy, Sam. Like, it's heavy because we have at least three girls who are pregnant every year in and- middle school. That's sad. And we have girls who. It's just, it is so disheartening. Like, we have, I have a couple in my classroom in seventh grade who are living together. They're living together in a shed outside of their parents' house. And it is just like sitting there listening to them talk. You're just like, you're in, you're 13. Like mm-hmm. you have, no one has said, Hey, like, let's talk about this. Like how to keep yourself safe. Like how even like different types of birth control, you know, or, and it just, it makes me so sad. So sad. It's so frustrating because I feel like all the evidence 
again, if you, like, read evidence and believe in science and, like, research, it just points to, like, sex education. It will reduce your chance of teenage pregnancy. It will reduce your chance of getting STDs. It will even, like, for the people who want you to wait until marriage, even having good sex education will, will like, extend probably your first sexual encounter. Like, you actually will probably wait longer because you have the knowledge and might make more informed decisions. Mm-hmm. And it just blows my mind that people are like, no, if you can't teach, you can't teach people that because then we'll actually have sex. I'm like, we're actually having sex regardless of what you tell us. Yeah. And we're having sex unhealthily. We're having sex not safely. Like, And younger having- and younger. I feel like now that you have the internet, there's, I feel like you're having sex so young now or doing like sexual, any sexual activity. It's Period. so hard. And I, I like... And I think your point about like people like reading um, science and data, Alex, is so true where like it's not based in evidence, right? Like that that belief that if we talk about sex, that means that people are going to have sex and Mm -hmm. specifically like young people are going to have sex like that is that's that's not evidence based, but they don't want it to be evidence based. It's very much values based. Right. And it's it's steeped Mm -hmm. in like, you know, puritanical Christian culture. And like uh, it it is. I think that's where it's like, we're kind of talking past each other. Cause like, I, I don't do a ton of policy work, but like, you know, um, a lot of my coworkers do. And it's like, it's almost like we're just kind of operating on two different like bases of reality where it's like, Oh, here's our base where like, literally we have evidence to back up this claim that like comprehensive sex education is helpful to everyone. And then mm-hmm. there's also this other side that's like, absolutely not. This is harmful. And you, I think, at one point we were called uh, peddlers of porn, which I found <laughs> to be like a great alliteration, um, but <laughs> That's the episode like, name, Caitlin, peddlers of porn. <gasps> peddlers Caitlin. Of porn. Oh, God. <laughs> Kate, and then it's like, Caitlin was fired uh, <laughs> for saying that we peddle porn, um, but <laughs> That's so but yeah, funny. like, yeah, it's like, it, but again, like, it's just, it's like the demonization of um, information even though like good sex ed is like, is inherently like values neutral, right? Like yes, we, we you, and, and you also encourage, like, you're like, Hey, talk to your trusted adults, talk to your family about this. And like, they will talk to you about the values of your family or whatever. But, right. Like, we're just going to give you the info. Giving information not- is not encouraging anything one way. I don't care what you do with the information. I just need you to have it. Right. Exactly. It is reminding me so much of Parks and Rec. Have you guys seen that episode? where they go to give sex advice to the people in the nursing home and like the Christian like the church comes in and says like abstinence only abstinence only and like like, oh my god I can't even tell you that's a whole other episode the old people that need sex education it might um, aside from the fact that they can't have babies it might be worse than the teenagers in nursing homes. So I feel STI like rates are so high in nursing it. homes. Yeah, it's it's horrifying. Um, because you just I and I think and I've heard this too, so most people listening probably know this. I feel like I repeat it most episodes kind of like Sam does, like, oh I'm a teacher, because I don't know who's listening to what episode. But um I work with youth living with HIV and almost all of them come in and they're like, Well, I can't get pregnant. So I didn't really think about anything else. And I'm like, it's such a disservice that we care so much about pregnancy, but we don't care about any other aspect of like sex and what can happen. And then that, that too, that 
shaming language that's used. I watched this. I'm You probably have seen it um, since you work in sex ed, but there's a TED talk from someone who has herpes, like a young woman. And she kind of talks about how like, this is not like a shameful judgment based thing. It's just a fact of having sex and sharing a space with another body. And I try to like reframe that with HIV. I'm like, you're not a bad person because you have HIV. Like, unfortunately, like the education wasn't there in like our school system. And had it been, maybe a different choice would have been made. But even if it isn't like having HIV, having gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, herpes, like it says nothing about who you are as a person. Like this is just something that happens when like your body touches another body and like bodies mix. Like it's unfortunate, but yeah, you're not wrong. You're not a bad, you're not a bad person and you shouldn't be like shamed by other people for it. But like, obviously we can't make society change their mind on that. No, it's so true. And like, I think with, with sex ed in particular, like there's, there's like kind of two levels of it where like one level is like, there's like literally no sex ed, like Sam's example, you know, like where like literally like not even the information like stigmatizing or not is, pre- is presented. Right. Um, and then, you know, and so that's where you get, you get a lot of like gaps in terms of like pregnancy prevention, STI prevention, HIV prevention, all that like is just not there. Mm-hmm. But then like, even when sex ed is taught, it like it it is very much focused on pregnancy and STI prevention. Um, and then like, yeah, just the way that we like shame and stigmatize around STIs and HIV in particular is just like really damaging and also like kind of like scare. There's a lot of scare tactics that are used and also like the information is like pretty false. Like I, I think HIV in particular is presented as like you know, a death sentence when it is just not like that is yeah. not the reality that we live in. Um, yeah, luckily and- not anymore. Everyone comes in like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm like, you are going to live just as long as all of us. You just take up and now it's one pill a day for most people. And they're, they yeah. just approved adults can get a monthly shot for medicine now. So like we're working towards things and I'm like, who isn't an adult taking a pill a day for something like this is not mm-hmm. like the eighties and nineties HIV. And I just think it's, I, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to make a point. I feel like COVID has turned into like an STD with the way people talk about it. Like nobody wants to tell people they have COVID and nobody really knows what to do once you have, like I saw someone on Bookstagram had COVID and they were like, I want to post about it because I haven't seen anyone talk about what they're doing to help themselves when they have COVID. Like, what are you taking? And I'm like, this is like having an STD. Like how many people go to their friends and like, oh shit, I have syphilis. Like I've been feeling bad. Now I have to go get medicine and here's what I did what, to, to get tested and to find out. So nobody has any idea what to do. And then now COVID all of a sudden you're like embarrassed to tell people you have COVID because that means you're a bad person because you got COVID. And I'm like, wow, this is really turning into like a new STD here almost, except it's just transmitted everywhere. Yeah, there's um, a lot of interesting conversations happening in the sex ed world about like how to talk about COVID and like how to link it to like I, there was an, initially they were like, oh, let's link it to kind of STD transmission and blah, blah, blah. But like it kind of gets complex because like like you just said, Alex, like it, it's transmitted differently. And like it's, you know, I, I think that that could kind of like cause some confusion depending on like, yeah. you know, age and stage appropriate or whatever. But but well, also like, you know, a lot of like there's a lot of parallels between like condom negotiation and mass negotiation and like yeah, other pieces of like, 
Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And I like a lot of our districts that we're working with are like doing this um, like actively of like, okay, how do we update this lesson to also include how to prevent transmission of COVID and like, you know, generally health promoting behaviors are like linked, right? And so if you're talking about like using safer sex methods, um, exactly. then it's like, it makes sense also to, to be like, hey, have a conversation about consent with your partner. Um, and also that includes like, who are they seeing because we're in the middle of a pandemic and stuff like that. Well, yeah. Also so good because, okay, perfect example. I'm a single woman. Um, in times of COVID, I've had two partners and like just figuring that out. Like, okay, you can't just go to a restaurant. You can't like, you also, and I teach school where kids aren't required to wear a mask. So like, it has been so complicated and also making sure that they have all the information that they need of like, okay, you can't come over because like, I don't feel great and I'm going to go get tested. But like you, you know, like things like that, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. And what's even crazier is how people aren't doing that. Like I have a teacher that I work with that's also single and she doesn't disclose that like to her partners. And one of her partners got really upset because whenever he found out that she like didn't like that she is around kids that don't wear masks, he was like, you've never said that to me. Mm. Like that changes things. And I was like, it really does. Like you have to be upfront and honest. And you have to have a hard conversation sometimes. And it is going to make some of them be like, "Mm, no, thank you. Yep, totally. Yeah. It's, and it's hard because like, we've never had to do this before. Right. Like, I mean, other than the last, you know, 10 months, you know, cry. No. Yeah. Like (laughs) unlearning and relearning a lot. Yeah. And it's like, we, you know, if you, especially in the casual dating sphere, like you haven't had to disclose that you are dating other people or like, Hey, I like hung out with someone indoors or like, I, you know, slept with someone else. And like, but like all that information is important for your partner to know, to protect their health. And so like, it's good practice for like dating and sex post pandemic, like, because you should be having, I know. And I know as someone too, I always tell, and I always tell my clients too, like fully transparent, I'm a human. Like I am also not 100% great at everything I'm telling you guys to do. Like Mm -hmm. in my life, have I always worn condoms? No. Have I always like told people that I'm dating multiple multiple people? No. But I do think like in the vein of like having responsible consensual sex and like being open and honest with partners, like you should be having those conversations. So hopefully people will continue this trend and like be more open, like, about things, but we, I don't know. Anyway. Um, okay. So a question for everyone, if you have an answer, but Caitlin, you can start. What is the best sex education tips that you've heard or that you've learned in your job or taught to other people? Ooh, I love this question. I feel like I always talk about the worst sex stuff. So like, I'm so (laughs) glad that, uh, that's the next question. But like most people are like, yeah, sex ed's terrible, right? Um, but like, yeah, no, I um there's certainly like, you know, best practices and like other things to like internalize. And yeah, I think um I think this idea of like there's not a there's not normal. Like there's mm-hmm. no normal and everyone is normal. It's normal if you we 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 often will be like, it's normal if you do, normal if you don't. Um 
And you can, that applies to like everything, right? Like masturbation, um, you know, having partnered sex, uh, you know, weird, like vagina things, like, you know, just all of it. I mean, you know, there is like some level of like, oh, if you have like some like weird smelling discharge, like you should probably go to the doctor and like, you know, there's definitely, you know, definitely like, you know, monitor and take care of your health in that way. But like, I think that that releases a lot of shame and stigma that people internalize about like what is normal and what is not. And I always think about the statistic of like, you know, the percentage of, of young people in particular who are having sex versus how many, like, how, how, like the, the percentage of people who like think everyone is having sex and it's vastly different. Like most people are like, would say, oh, you know, 80% of my peers are having sex. And the reality is like, especially like, actually we've, ha- we've seen um, people having less sex in like the last like 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the reality is like 25% of like young people are having sex, you know, but there's a perception that everyone is doing it, but me and I am not normal um, because of that. But, um, you know, that, that's just like a, that's not true. Like, you know, in terms of the evidence, but also like B, you know, there's not like an age that you need to be having sex. There's like, you know, you're not. Yeah. And it's like, I, and I think people just like, are like, oh, but, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about it. Um, I'm not normal, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I, I, if I were to like, wave a magic wand I would just want everyone to just like take a giant like deep breath and just be like okay I'm it's okay I'm normal and um it's gonna happen on my own time um and if it already happened for me and like it wasn't like you can also like not have sex for a while you know like I think that that's another piece where it's like you're kind of like a lot of young people are like oh I'm thrown into this world and like now I need to be doing this thing and like that's just not the reality. Um, and so, yeah, so that's like the, that's the big piece around just like destigmatizing, de-shaming, um, basically any, any kind of behavior, any body stuff into like puberty, like, is this normal? Do I look weird? A, everyone looks weird in puberty. Like, it's just like, (laughs) bodies are strange. Like Like, bodies are always going to be, I try to tell people, I'm like, no matter what. And I try to tell this to myself, like we all have things about our bodies that we think are weird or look funny or like are strange, or maybe like we don't like the way they move, but like that stuff we think about our own body because we have to see it every day. And I try to tell people like, there's nobody and I'm sure there's somebody, but like nine times out of 10, the person you meet and you're naked with is never going to be like, Oh, that's weird. Like they're just happy to be totally. naked. You. you know, like you guys are naked together doing a fun thing. They don't they don't care if your body if like one part of your body moves this way when the rest of you moves this way. Like, who cares? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like it, it and like once you kind of are able to internalize that, it like it just makes everything a lot like more fun and easier and all that. Um the other Okay. So I have a couple other ones. The other one that I'm thinking of is just like embrace masturbation, Um, especially like, especially in the times of COVID where like, maybe that is like, you are your safest sex partner in this moment. Right. Like, and you know, especially if you're not like living with a partner or whatever, like embrace masturbation. And also again, normal, if you do normal, if you don't, if you don't want to masturbate, like don't masturbate, like it's fine, you know, like, and I think this is something that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the episode, but like, yeah, people have different sex drives. People like have different interests in sex and like, you know, 
again, normal if you do, normal if you don't. Like it's it's fine. Um, and like you, you don't, especially nowadays, like don't feel pressure to like be like any particular way with your with your sex life and sexuality. Yeah, I think a lot yeah. of people feel pressure. Sam, do you have like something you remember as like the best sex education advice you've ever gotten? Was it from me when I told you not to put flavored condoms in your hoo ha? <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was five was seconds saying, ago when I did that. <laughs> oh, I just saw Grizz. I just saw Grizz in his one eye. Oh, he's blending in. Hello. Hey, buddy. You going to say hello? He says, no mama. No I'm mama. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say mine is not that like deep, but it was profound for me was I had a friend who was a lesbian and whenever I came out, sorry, how do I do this again? Right click on the message icon and hit quit. <laughs> it's not letting me. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you can mute the, okay. mute the thread and then it'll not do alerts. This okay. Is, this is um, our podcast. I'm do that. <laughs> yeah, surprise. <laughs> Anyways, so basically... I think it worked. Whatever. We're going to hope for it. I had a friend who was a lesbian. And whenever I, like, first came out, she was like, cut those nails. Cut the nails. Yes. And and I've always had really long nails. And I love the feeling of long nails. Mm. And she was, and I know you can have sex with long nails. That's fine. But she was just like, and I still think that's so funny to me because it was like so profound because I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that does make sense. Like, you know, and so, yeah, I would say that was my best sex advice <laughs> ever since that's the short now. The most helpful in that. the moment for sure. I'm trying to think. For real. I think I had one and then I lost it. So best sex advice. I don't know. I'll circle back to me oh, later. Yeah, um, okay. What's the one of like a really bad tip someone has sex education tip someone has heard someone give to someone one of my aunts said that um her one of her sex tips for my cousin who was getting married was um if you don't want to have sex with with them that night like fake it and say you have a headache and I'm always like use your words people use your words fake it and say you feel bad I feel like that's common a lot I don't know if it's like a a cishet thing or if it happens in other relationships but I did grow up with a lot of people like oh just say you're sick or you don't feel good or like just act like you don't want I'm like why can't you just say you don't want to have sex like just say you don't want to it's super common. Yeah. And I think also like, yeah, it, it kind of depends on like how comfortable you are with your partner too. Like, I think there's like a, like a lot of like people who have a new, a new partner might not be like super down to just, you know, be like, Hey, not tonight or whatever. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I just wish we could all like talk about it. Like, this is like maybe like my, the thesis of my life where I'm just like, why can't we all just talk about it? I know. <laughs> like, like, Everything could really be solved by by openly communicating with anyone. It blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have one more that's really good. Um, 
growing up, a piece of sex advice that we girls got, especially like in our small town, is girls don't want sex, boys do. And so it perpetuates the idea that if you are horny, something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's, That's probably true. like one of the worst. Yeah. Too. There's a lot of like internalized like feelings, especially if you were like socialized as a female around like um yeah like sex drive how much it again it's kind of like this double-edged sword where like you know if you are having sex like you're you know a slut and then if you are not having sex you're a prude and it's like okay well we can't fucking win can we (laughs) like um and you know and also like one thing that was interesting and this might be going into another question that you guys have but one thing that was interesting as as I was reading um Ace uh, by Angela Chen, um, which is an amazing book. But, yeah, I just um, finished I'm... it. Oh my gosh, that's oh, you're, right. Yeah, yes. you're reading it for your book club. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's the February book club for Between the Pages. But like, yeah, it, it is, it's so good. And I loved this idea of like, I don't know. She explored a lot of like, oh, am I, am I asexual? Or like, have I internalized what women should like, want or not want when right. it comes to sex and like I think that exploration is like so interesting and she talked about it in the context of you know asexual people like that that just complicates them figuring out that they are asexual because yeah you know women are are socialized to not want sex and like they're like oh well, that's you know basically like you know Angela got the response of like oh well that's just like being a woman and yeah like, I don't think that's true and I feel like that's a valid like thing to vacillate between trying to figure out because I remember even like I think before I like came to terms with what like being queer and I was only having sex with like men with penises I was like maybe I just am not into sex like maybe I don't like it maybe maybe I'm asexual like this isn't working for me I don't really ever want to have sex and then <laughs> Sam's like I know the rest of this story um <laughs> but I think Part of it was I wasn't having, like, good sex, communicative sex, like, reciprocal sex. I was raised Christian, so I have a lot of, like – or Catholic. I have a lot of, like, Catholic sex shame still. So it's, like, all of that internalized. So even if I'm having good sex, I'm like, wait a second. Like, I shouldn't be liking this. I shouldn't be, like – I shouldn't be, like, initiating. So it was a lot to – and, like, when I read that that book, too, like, learning that, like, sex drive is different than, like, lack of sexual attraction. And I'm – I learned so much that I'm like, wow, society really like fucks you up, you know, truly that in like the least professional way. But like, I'm constantly unlearning things and I really don't know what, where to go from there. Yeah, absolutely. But I agree with, I don't think I learned anything that we haven't already talked about that was bad. Like, I, I would agree that like, you know for women I I always hated the verbiage I think my first like foray into like feminist literature was Jessica Valente like so um whatever her first book Sex Object oh it was about like it literally feminism is in the title and I can't think about it um yes I read that too it's gonna it's gonna bother me but that was the first like feminist book I ever read I'm sure if I read it now it'd be like the most basic um Oh, I'm coming up with with doctors in my area. Um, Ooh. That's not what I want. She's not a doctor. Full frontal feminism. Okay. And mm. it's where I, and then I read her book, Purity Myth, and it's very like religious based. And I like my whole head exploded because I was like, whoa, like this stuff 
was so internalized in me. And just the, the fact that like the language we use where like men take something from you, if we're talking about like cis het sex, like men take something from you, you're always giving away yourself. And I'm like, man, that's mm-hmm. so like dangerous to teach men and women because then like then you think about how that perpetuates rape culture and like power and control dynamics and like shame in women. I'm like, ugh, it it baffles me. We're really doing a disservice to people. Totally. And we. It, oh, this great. is <laughs> yeah. We're we're great. Um, no, that that also of another like se- like positive sex thing that I want everyone to like internalize, which is virginity is a myth. And oh my god, it yes. Is social fucking construct there is not you don't lose your virginity like it's just like and and, it, and, I, and again like it's like it's steeped in this purity culture of like you are giving away your virginity this is the most yeah. important thing about you this is this is like representative of your purity which is bullshit like right like that is not that a that's not a healthy way to think about sex in general like of you know women are pure until they give this thing away and then they're just like trash like that is that's right. horrible and think of how like damaging <laughs> that is to someone like some young um girls I like self-image to think like the only important thing about you that everyone values is like you not being penetrated by a man like everything else about you is just less important and if this one thing happens you're going to hell everything is really like organized religion is it's but boys can't help it but yeah boys boys are getting something they're becoming men they're like this is what they're supposed to do. It's so fucking, it's so fucked up. I don't have any it good really words is. for that. I um, can get on a huge box about that. I will mm-hmm. not, but I can. <laughs> I know. This could no. be like a three-hour episode because I feel like there's just so many things I'm angry about that we teach people. And then, and then you grow up. Okay, so like my first internship, this would probably be my best sex education advice. And it's for like parents and child- who are having children. Uh, my first internship was in a sexual abuse um, center for young kids and teenagers and like young, young kids. And one of the things we did, we did was like sex education with the parents and like how little parents know that like your, your two year old is probably going to rub on things because it feels good. It's not like they're doing it for sexual gratification, but it feels good or they're going to touch themselves and you know how to talk to your kid about like being interested in their body parts. But one of the biggest things is when you're looking at grooming behavior and like someone choosing a victim, a lot of times when you like nickname your vagina and or penis, it makes you an easy victim because this person then knows like, okay, no one knows what your butterfly garden is. You're probably less likely to talk to people in your family about it because they're not being open. And you know, like a four-year-old who can say, don't touch my vagina is probably a lot more intimidating than a four-year-old who has no language for that. So it was, I was always like correcting parents. Like, I know you want to use cutesy names, like your little peachy or your little like pumpkin pie or your little like coochie coo. I don't know. Like stupid. I had, my mom said stupid (laughs) names too, but I'm like calling it a vagina and a penis is not wrong. And it doesn't, it's not weird. Like your kid should know like the medically accurate names for their body part and be able to say out loud, like, what they are, who can touch them, who can't, like, give your kids that information and they will probably be a lot safer. Yeah, I love that point. That's so, like, and I think that, like, 
we we always talk about like you know using medically accurate terms even even with young kids but like i i love the idea that like yeah it actually like gives them the self-efficacy to be able to like potentially prevent abuse and be able to talk about abuse if it happens like that that I think puts a finer point on it of like it's not just like good in general for young people to like and young kids especially to like know the names of their body parts but it also like is potentially like you know like a safety yeah yeah Absolutely. And I, that's like the hardest thing for parents to grapple with. And I, and I don't think anyone, you know, I never, never blame any parents because a lot of times our parents are growing, our parents are probably growing up with less information than we ever had. And I feel like we probably didn't even have a lot of information, but like, once you know what you're working with, like you can, and you can stop so much shame at the beginning. Like, you know, talking to parents about their kids touching themselves is like, as you know, four-year-olds or, you know, you know, when you catch your, your, your child's like, looking at their friends naked because they're seven and they're like, ooh, you have a vagina too. What does yours look like? Like, I used to have to tell parents, like, it's okay. That means nothing about your kid, their sexuality, their anything. They're just exploring bodies. And mm-hmm. if there's no power dynamic, it's okay that they're doing that. Like, just don't, like, totally. freak, don't freak out on them and make it something weird. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I have two resources that I have to plug for, like, parents <laughs> talking to their kids about sex. Please. And, um... Yeah. So one is um, a project that my organization supports, but it's a maze.org. And um, they have like super great videos, uh, actually specifically for kids between 10 to 14. Um, and so like, you know, they have content around around all different types of, of topics around sexuality, but like they also have an amazed parents tab and um, they have a lot of really great resources. And they actually, I don't know if they're still doing this, this like um, week of, or a couple weeks of like parent, like how to talk to your kids about sex or whatever. I think they call it like an ask a maze challenge or something like that. Um, But they have been coming out with a lot of really good content, especially in quarantine, because, you know, parents are of course, like with their kids all the time. And so um, a lot of conversations come up, their kids are online all the time. Um, And so, you know, I know they had some content come out around like how to talk to your kids about porn um, in particular. And so like, that is, that's a really good resource if you kind of, if you are a parent and like kind of don't know what, like how to frame this conversation. And it's also like multiple conversations. Um, and I think that that is another thing that like a lot of parents don't necessarily appreciate because they're like, oh, wait, I have the talk with my kid. And it's actually like the talks. Yep. <laughs> like you should be like continuously like having conversations with your kids about this. And, you know, that's, that's not how our parents were socialized growing up at all. And so like, it's a lot of like relearning stuff for them too. Um, yeah. So that's one is sex positive families and it's at sex positive families, I believe on Instagram. Um, but Melissa is fantastic and they do a lot of work about like, like similarly, like they do a lot of like parent workshops and like parent resources. I know they, they have a book also like a really short book of like literally called how to talk to your kids about sex. And, um, they're just like a wealth of information. So if you are a parent looking for like how to do this, those are two really, really good resources. That's good. I'm going to write that. I'm going to link them in our, um, link tree too, but, um, okay. Yay. Good. What is, um, and I'm sure we all can contribute to this discussion. What is one of the most frustrating and or like frustratingly stereotypical things that we've heard from non-queer people? So I'm going to just generalize like allosexual, cisgender, heterosexual people about queer sex. Oof. That. Uh... <laughs> Sam's like, I am ready. 
that people with vaginas who have sex with people with vaginas, it's not real sex. Or that one of them must be a man and one of who's the man and who's the woman. Oh my God. (laughs) I've heard too. I've heard like, I follow some like burner. Literally shoot them off the planet. No, it's like the stupidest question. I'm like, come on. Like, Terry, no one's a man and no one's a woman here unless <laughs> unless we decide. Like, we're both, like, just people having sex with each other. There doesn't have to be – we don't have to, like, man and woman these roles here. But I also hate um, – I've seen, like, really popular, like, uh, lesbian YouTubers make comments that, like, lesbian couples or female couples or couples with vaginas that use sex toys shaped like penises are not, like, really – gay like why do you need a penis shaped sex toy or why do you need to do like heterosexual penetrative sex acts I'm like that is so ridiculous because it's not Mm. it's not this shape it's not that that that's a penis it's just something it's like my part I'm not trying to pretend my partner is a man with a penis like I hate it's like it's so annoying. Like, that was so annoying to me. And I hate that, they, like, it comes from within the queer community, too. Like, that, I think that is so harmful when there's, like, yes. a lot. Like, and I think that that's also important. Like, I mean, definitely, like, cis straight people, like, say a lot of really, like, ignorant shit towards, like, queer people all the time. Yeah. Like, and I don't want to, like, min- <laughs> like, that definitely happens. Um, But I also think that there's a lot of, like, internalized, like, misogyny, internalized gender roles that happen within the queer community that can be, like, really... um really stigmatizing and really like hurtful to people having queer sex agreed i'm gonna say something spicy okay i'm ready and i do it and like as we're talking i'm like fuck i'm gonna stop i'm gonna stop we use like just another version of who's the man who's the woman we use top and bottom who's a top and who's a bottom and i say that all the time but, like, we do it to say who is in charge and who is not in charge. Yeah, like, who's the more who is- dominant and submissive. Or, like, and I think that could be, like, a queer coding for, um, like, a heteronormative. Like, basically what you're asking is who's doing the the sex act and who's receiving it, which then in turn tells that person listening, like, oh, you're more of, like, the girl or you're more of the guy. And I think it happened in, like, I think it happens a lot more And I think it's valid for, so we ask that question in my clinic because in terms of risk exposure, it's important. But, but in general, I think in like queer male communities, like gay male communities, it's more used to like shame the bottoms for being like fem. Oh, you're you're like on the receiving end of sex. Like you're, you're more feminine. You're more like submissive and girly or things like that. Mm -hmm. And like the top is cooler and like, oh, you're top. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. And wrong. Once again, like there's a time and place to ask that, like in your clinic. And or... honestly, only in terms of that. Like otherwise, it doesn't fucking matter what you do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And also, like you know, when we're talking about like internalized gender roles, like in topping and bottoming and stuff, like I don't know, like it's it's okay to like be into topping or bottoming or like or you know dominant and submissive play. Like I don't know. I also don't want to shame like anyone who might feel like oh if I am like leaning into these roles and I'm like you know not a feminist or something I don't know there's like a lot of internalized like internalized you know uh misogyny about like the gender roles too like it's just kind of like a big internalized it's weird uh, yeah I just I think like 
in general, you shouldn't assume that being a top or bottom or verse or switching or using in any sense has any bearing on like your, your, I want to say gender person. I just feel like sometimes there's a stereotype like, oh, you're more feminine if you're the bottom or more passive or you're more mm-hmm. masculine if you're the top. But you can be like a super masculine. Like I have gay male couple friends who like, if I met them and I was like being stereotypical, I would have never assumed one of them was like the bottom in the relationship. Cause that's not like what the stereotype, what if I'm like solely going on stereotypes, I would not have guessed it was him. And I have clients mm-hmm. too, who I'm like, Oh, I'm surprised. Like I would not have thought that if I'm like solely allowing like my bias to creep in, but like, there is no, yeah. there is no, like, there's no personality for tops and bottoms. You just are what you no. are. And no, like, and in fact, like, like sometimes people really like subverting sort of how they present in like life, like in the bedroom, right? And so like if they are like a super like dominating personality or whatever, like sometimes that can be like really like fun to like subvert that yeah. um, through sex. And like that's totally valid too. Like uh, basically again, like everything is normal and valid and we, you know, we shouldn't make assumptions about people like Wow, I think I need that like stamped on my forehead or whatever. I feel like this, <laughs> like, is, this is your your catchphrase. It's normal if you do. It's normal if you don't. Everything is normal. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I've written it down like twelve times just in case I need it. Um. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so obviously we're a queer podcast. That's our focus. What maybe are some good queer sex education tips or like resources for queer sex ed that I. Because I feel like if you're getting sex education, you're probably not getting queer sex education. You're probably not getting like he- like non-heterosexual or like trans-inclusive sex education. So do we have tips? Do we have things to say? Do we have resources? Oh, my gosh. I love this question, too. Um So my number one, if you are someone who wants to have sex with someone, queer sex with someone with a vagina, uh, my number one resource is called Girl Sex 101, and it's by Allison Moon. And it is a book with a lot of like amazing illustrations and like demonstrations. Yeah, it is illustrations. I'm a visual learner. Oh my gosh. I know. Well, and I think like for a lot of this, like, yeah, like it can be captured like in the written word a little bit, but like you, you need the illustrations also to like really understand like all of the mechanics because we don't get that information. And Um, you can like, I mean, like they'll tell you like, oh, this is where you can find this on the vagina, but all vaginas look different. So if you can draw them out for me and like, give me a general area, then I'll look for it. But like just telling me that in like a paragraph, I'm like, oh no, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And, and like, I feel like a lot of that, like, is like kind of clinical like you know like or just like kind of like here's where the clitoris is and blah 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 and it's like okay yeah like maybe that's useful in terms of like pure information but like um girl sex 101 is just like a very like kind of casual way of like talking about it um Mm -hmm. which I really appreciate um so yeah I would definitely recommend that uh again if you want to have sex with someone with a vagina um but um yeah, I think there's also like all of the sex educators, most of the sex educators, no, all of them really that I follow um, on social media, like are queer or like, or or they talk about sex in a way that is like affirming to queer folks. And so like, um, there's another, there's another sex ed- educator that I follow called um, at Feminist Sex Ed um, on Instagram. Yeah. And right now. Yeah, she's awesome, um, Cassandra, and she actually is also in Florida. Ah, 
Ah. Oh my god. Well, then she's doing hard work here. Yeah. No. Um. And she like she um. I think like broke out. You know, not broke out, but uh, like went freelance or whatever a couple years ago. Um. So I, I I've known her for a little bit, but she's fantastic and um. She's also queer. Um. And like talks about sex in a way that like and, and specifically sex toys like she's a really good resource if folks are like interested in like learning about sex toys um and she talks about it in a way that's like very very affirming and very like, body centric which i really appreciate rather than like these are toys for girls and these are yeah. toys for boys um she's just very much like oh this is like if you're interested in this type of like sex or whatever um which i really appreciate I like that. I like that the difference, the difference in that. I would say too for queer sex ed, obviously, if you're not looking at, if you're not able to get pregnant in your sex life, which some queer people can, obviously, but um, something a lot of people maybe aren't sure of is that there is like a safe sex prevention method for literally every way that you can have sex. Like I just talked, we just talked about this with um, Kate, uh, I almost said Caitlin. <laughs> Hi, it's you. Um, that's me. Casey and Mix yesterday is that like there are ways you can like protect your finger to avoid like scratching inside any inside anything. Um, mm-hmm. there's like barriers if you're mouth to vagina, mouth to like butthole, which I had to learn because obviously like rimming is a huge thing in any couple, but especially in like my gay boy clients and um a little TMI, but they kept come. a lot of them kept coming back with like Giardia, which is like a stomach bacteria and it causes like diarrhea, but that's from like ingesting poop particles normally, um, which can happen anywhere. But we were realizing like they were not, they were, you know, doing sex acts unprotected. So then we had to add in like, okay, we realized there was a gap in our education for them because as like cis white women who are not like too I mean no one in my clinic is probably rimming I can safely they're all like cis straight people that are in their 50s but um then we had to add that into our sex education like you can also use a dental dam or like the non-microwavable saran wrap over a butthole over a vagina you can flavored condoms for oral sex only please um (laughs) I just learned that because if you put a flavored condom in your vagina or your butthole, I imagine, you will get a raging yeast infection and or some other infection. That will not feel good. Um, but there, obviously, like, STIs are still a huge risk um, in all sex. Obviously, your risk factors, like, your risk of transmission can be lower with certain kinds of sex. But, like, even if you're queer, totally. you can protect yourself safely. I love that. And also, like, it's interesting to me that, like, often the risk um, with queer people is framed as, like, queer people are more likely to um, get an STI and blah, blah, blah. But, like, the follow up to that is or I guess, like, the subtext to that is, like, we're not providing queer people with with ways that they can have sex safely. Like that yeah. is a failing on us versus the I queer agree. person, which I really, uh, I, it frustrates me so much when we're like, oh, queer people are at risk of all these things. And I'm like, yeah, maybe if we talk to them and like provided them information, like we could reduce some of those disparities. Right. You're at risk for this. The end of sentence. We have no other information for you, but you that might get like all my... of these things. I also too, like think it's important. I think a lot of times in sex, if people are, specifically talking about queer sex ed, and I almost did it when I just was talking, you can forget that, like, queer people 
can still have babies with their sex. And there are, like, trans people who can still have, like, children and, and queer people who may be dating someone who's non-queer and they can have babies. So, like, that, if you're solely a queer sex educator, like, don't forget that queer couples can look like anything and have any body parts. So, like, just do, give all the information. Even if you think they're not going to, like, have a baby. You don't know that. You don't know what's inside their body. No, it's true. And also an interesting, um, I don't know if the statistic is super current. I think this is around 2015, but like there was a statistic that was saying that like among young people, um, those who identify as lesbian or bisexual are actually more likely to get pregnant than their um, straight counterparts, which is like wild to me. And like, that was, that was a moment where I had to like, I think I learned that in grad school. Um, And that was a moment where I had to really check myself and be like, oh, like I, you know, I think I like had understood that like we needed to talk about like birth control and safer sex methods with queer people. But at the same time, like knowing that statistic, it's like, oh, clearly like we're not, you know, even, even when it's, even when queer people are discussed in sex ed, clearly it's like, oh, you don't have to worry about getting pregnant. Right. Cause you're a lesbian, but like that's sometimes not, lesbians yeah. have sex with people who could get them pregnant. Right. Like, yeah. That's... You can be a lesbian and with some, like another woman who has a penis, like you don't know what their partner what their partner's genitals are just because they tell you their sexuality. Yeah. I also would like to say, um, in terms of sex toys, another thing I've seen, um, and a lapse in sex education is to clean your sex toys. I've had, mm-hmm. um, one of my clients reinfect himself with like STDs from dirty sex toys. And again, oh. that was, uh, yeah, my boys are wild. Um, but that's, boys are wild. That was a learning curve for me because I didn't even think to tell my, like, gay male clients about sex toys, which is stupid on my part. Like, men can use sex toys however they want to use them. And they are. So I was like, well, shit, now I have to, like, print out this whole fact sheet, like, how to clean your sex toys. Please don't not clean them and then use them. And then you have STDs again because it's wild they're wild it's so wild I love them and so like there's also like different ways to like clean your sex toy depending on like what type of sex toy it is and so like you know like if you have like a silicone sex toy like there's a certain way to like make sure that you're cleaning it in a way like because it's more porous or whatever so like you know I'm definitely like not a sex toy expert but I think there's like a lot of really good like resources of people who are and also like Ugh, just like your local sex shop is your best friend to be honest yeah. um and the people who like work there are so nice people are always afraid to go in and like ashamed and I'm like the people working there don't give a shit about what you're doing they want to help you they literally want to help you no and that's like I, I know people are so like shy about it and I like I get it also but like this is their whole job <laughs> like they love talking about this and they genuinely want you to have like a good experience or whatever so like I don't know I feel like if you're kind of like a like a newbie to buy sex toys like I would just I would definitely just be like I don't know make a private appointment or like if they're open for browsing like you know go to your local indie feminist sex shop because I don't know you could go to Spencer's if you really want to but like they're just not gonna be (laughs) a they're not gonna yeah it's it's that's a lot Um, Spencer's was always the like most wild store in the mall when we were teenagers I'm like oh Spencer's let's go in the back of the store and look at funny things oh my god I have a confession Dude. I've never been in the Spencers. You need to you go in Spencers. <laughs> okay, we have two I different, we have conflicting opinions. <laughs> like, you will go. 
I would always like sneak in there with my friends. We'd be like, oh my God, let's go in Spencer's. It's like the more risque hot topic. It is funny in there. Being in high school and a girl that was like a few years older than me um, that I cheered with had come back to a football game and like we were all hanging out later. And she was talking about how she bought her vibrator at Spencer's. And I remember that was the first conversation I ever had with someone asking like what a vibrator was. So obviously like we didn't talk about it. And um, it like still makes me laugh now because she said that it was rainbow and it swirled and it had wow. ribs on it. And now I'm like, oh, like, what was that? Like rainbow swirled with ribs on it. And so now I just like think it's so funny because that's what I think of with Spencer's. <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, that's the epitome of Spencer's. You nailed it. For real. <laughs> for real. No, it's and it's like you can definitely get like some cheap stuff there, but like I'm like, ooh, is this body safe? I probably not. I'm gonna say no. Yeah, I'm gonna say no. Um, probably not yeah. made well at all. Um no, no. Okay. Well, I feel like we need to have a part two eventually because I still have so many questions we didn't get to because there's so much to talk about when I get so excited, like that I just Oh my gosh. I will literally talk about this all day. So yeah, I'm totally down to uh, come back and yeah, maybe, ooh, maybe we can do like a, a cross. Is there like a sexy? Oh yeah. Oh, that, that's even better. I was going to be like, is there another sexy month other than February? Um, no, but we could do part one here and then part two on your channel eventually. And then people will have to hey. live for the rest of the story. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you should come back during Pride. And we I was just going to say that, Sam. You could come during Pride and we could have like a fully like queer sex only topic, which is everything I love that. we talked about. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. Yes, I'm in. Crossover, crossover, crossover again. We'll just keep crossing over. So we've got to keep jumping. We're just going to, yeah, you guys will be like my second hosts, honestly. <laughs> like, it'll be fine. Guys, Caitlin's part of the book case now. <laughs> yeah. Keep crossing. Keep- it's like it's like um the choose your own adventure like okay you got to the end of this episode if you want to hear more funny sex stories go to between the pages pod at la 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 and we'll be there <laughs> um, oh my okay. gosh can you again tell our listeners where to find you I will also put all this in the show notes obviously but yeah totally yeah so if you want like purely book content um you can follow me at book is Kate so it's book and then e s c a i t um, I thought I was really funny um, when I <laughs> made that handle. Um, turns out a lot of people are like, what's Bookie's cage? Um, and so who, who's to say? Um, so yeah, bookish content. <laughs> Hate myself. Um, and then uh, for the podcast, um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever, Stitcher, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then also uh, it's at Between the pod on instagram if you want to follow for pod and sexy time content and caitlin's episode coming out soon is um about asexuality and the book and obviously like you know the identity so we're excited about that i feel like i know who your guest is but i won't spoil it um (laughs) secrets um yeah i'm super excited about that and also i'm having angela chen on the podcast like the week before right oh i forgot about that yeah yeah yeah. so if you want to go like hear from the author themselves like that would be great um okay well thank you so much for joining us caitlin we'll talk to you very soon we love you cheers thank you so much for having me cheers Cheers, queers